everybody, and welcome to Toddler Purgatory. I'm Molly. Hey, I'm Blair. Today we're talking about toddler aggression. Now listen, we hear those words and we think to ourselves, like, I don't know, I speak for just myself. When I say ourselves, I'm just talking about me. (laughs) And I almost get that panicked feeling in my belly Mm. because in my mind, when I hear toddler aggression, I don't think about another kid being aggressive on the playground. I think about my kid. Like, not that he normally is. He's had a couple of episodes and when he was younger, you know, and figuring out what to do. But it's that feeling of like, oh, no, has my kid done something to another kid? And all those feelings that come along to with it. I'm the same. But then I also think about like other kids like doing something to my child. Yeah. And then I get the mom sweats. Oh, gosh, the mom sweats. There's so many emotions that go along with kind of seeing, thinking about toddler aggression, and most especially what to do about it. What is the right thing to do? Do we intervene? Do we let them (laughs) duke it out? Is duke it out? Duke it out. Is that from the 1940s? Rumble. Yeah. Yeah, you ready to rumble? What's the line from Outsiders? What is this, a party? I thought we were here to rumble or something like that. Remember when Matt Dillon enters the rumble that the Soches and the Greasers? Wait, what was the other ones called? I never saw The Outsiders. Uh, Well, thank you all for being here. This was our last episode. Take care. Blair, you take care too because we're no longer speaking. (laughs) So I had read somewhere that Toddler, and now we're truly talking about Toddler. Here at Toddler Purgatory, our sort of demo is under six. But for really little kids, and I'm sure, you know, some of us have seen this with our own kids, When they're little, little, they just don't have words to express how they're feeling yet. They don't have the language development. I read somewhere that toddler aggression peaks at age two because after that point, they learn to express themselves through words. Mm. But I don't know. I feel like that's, as we've talked about on this pod before, like kind of a big generality because also when they're under two, they might not have words, but also their aggression doesn't feel as fueled to me. It's more like, you took my toy, I'm going to take it back from you, or I'm going to lean over and hit you on the hand or whatever, or grab your head. Whereas later on in toddlerhood, prior to age six, it feels fueled by so much more. Oh, totally. But I feel like, I don't know, like when my oldest was under two, there were some issues that he was having at school with another kid. It didn't last long. It was like two days. What was bad about it? He got bit in the face. Ouch. Oh, biting. Oof. Yeah. But it's like something that happens. Yo, yeah, totally natural. Like part of development. And that's supposedly that's why they ask, like the hep B shot is like for when you get like dirty needles and stuff like that, you know, when you get older. But they say that a big reason why you get the hep B shot is because a lot of these kids just are so oral and they're biting each other. Yeah. And they can get sick. Anyway, that's a side note. And they're sneezing into each other's eyeballs and stuff. That too. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, that was just a biting episode. And I was like, okay, like, is this like how it's going to be? But then they became like good buddies. It was just like, yo, yeah, how this kid was just, you know, working his himself out, working it out, expressing his feelings because they don't have the tools yet to express them. You know, and now that he's five, it's less of the like, yeah, we get like the physical aggression, but then we just get like the emotional aggression. Yeah. You know, and that's sometimes... I don't know. For me as a mom, sometimes I'm like, oof, I'd almost prefer for you to bite someone's face off than have to deal with this, like, multi-layered feelings. Yeah, emotions. Yeah, multi-layered emotions. Yeah, it's tough. Well, here's the funny thing is, like, the one thing I hope brings comfort to people 
And you may know this intellectually, but may need to hear it emotionally, because I know I need to hear these things sometimes, Hmm. is that a lot of the things that we talk about here on this show, it is all a healthy part of normal development of these children. Yes. For sure. And it is temporary. It's temporary. It is. I've never read the word phase so much as I have in researching this (laughs) episode. Yeah. And the other thing I read a lot, which was so funny in all different ways, was essentially what Parents Magazine says... Toddler aggression isn't a sign that your child is destined for a life of crime, which is so funny because then another one was like, you know, don't worry, this is not going to stay forever and turn your child into a raging monster, you know, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. So everybody is like trying to assuage the fears of the readers or in our case, the listeners. Mm -hmm. This is not forever. It's not a sign. We always say Dexter. You know that show, Dexter? Yeah. Great show. Creepy. So whenever my son does something that we're like, is he a sociopath? We always say... Okay, so he's dextering out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> like he's in a very attractive serial killer. One time I saw that guy, I can't remember his name, who plays Dexter, Michael, blah, blah, blah. I almost said Philip Michael Hall, but I think that was Tubbs on Miami Vice. Oldie Locks alert. Oh, yes. So Michael, whatever his name is, I was going to brunch in New York City and he was across the street. He had come across and put his... Michael C. Hall? Yes. He had come across and put his name in with the hostess and then recross the street to wait for his friends or whatever. <laughs> and I think he was doing it on purpose because I think he's a bit of a... He's funny, like in a dark way. Shocking. But he was kind of lurking under the scaffolding. And we were kind of looking at him, but looking away. And, you know, in New York, you have to, like, act like you don't see them or you see them, but you don't know who they are or whatever. Like He's human, too. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's human, too. And also, I think he got it that we were like, oh, my gosh, there's Dexter. So at one point, I glanced over at him and he was underneath the scaffolding of this building behind one of the poles and then peeking out <laughs> yeah. from it with, like, one of his eyes right at us in the hardest Dexter move I've seen. Well played, Mr. Michael C. Hall. Well played, Michael C. Hall. Do you want to be a guest on our podcast? (laughs) So yes, your child is not going to turn into Dexter. We don't think. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) But that's the thing, though. That's like you really do feel as though if there's any aggression that comes out of your kid, that that is like it. Yep. Like, oh, my kid's going to be the bully. Yes. It's so funny, those things that, like, it's the one negative thing that they do, it's like, we think that that's going to be with them forever. Yes. And then the good things that they do, we're just like, oh, God, I hope this sticks. Yes. Weird, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. We're so invested in them that we take all these little cues to mean big cues. And ultimately, they're probably just little. Your kid may be dealing with anger or territorial issues, They're upset about something. A kid took their toy they wanted to play with, which wasn't important a minute ago, and now is the most important toy on earth. All of a sudden. All of a sudden. Interesting. And the kid lacks, as Parents Magazine says, they lack the capacity to express feelings in less offensive ways. Mm. I like how they said that. Mm -hmm. And they lash out at the playmate in a kind of a primitive response. Also, this was fun. And I kind of remember this. My kid's five now. I do remember this when he was more like one and a half, two years old. Also... Sometimes they do it because they're, it's a bit of an experiment. <laughs> oh, for sure. Huh, I wonder what happens if I butter on the head yeah. hard. What will happen? What's the reaction I'll get? Or like my kids do right now, which is so weird, and I don't even know where it comes from. But if they're mad at each other, they go, you're fired. I'm like, where did this come from? Because we definitely haven't seen The Apprentice. I was just going <laughs> to say that. I was going to make an apprentice joke. My husband said that maybe it was Scrooge McDuck. 
Sure. From DuckTales? Does he say that? I don't know. Anyway, but it's just weird. And it's like, they have no clue, right? Yeah. But they've seen it in an, use it in an aggressive way on TV. <gasps> I was just going to say, one of the reasons might be imitation. Imitation. They're totally imitating whoever it is. Mm-hmm. Scrooge McDuck. And it's like, you're fired. And I mean, like, with all of the glory and heat behind it. It's like, what of an animated duck? I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Yeah. Or an older sibling. You guys only have that. You have two kids in the family. But if there's a kid who's two or three and they have a nine-year-old and they see that sibling show some aggression in some way, they might want to mimic that on the playground as well. Oh, no. My two-year-old does exactly what her five-year-old brother does. Isn't that funny? She's yelling, you're fired at him. (laughs) He started it. And now she says it. She said it to me. Oh, man. Have a seat, kid. The biggest thing we can do for these cute little hellions... I love them. Now, kind of what I was alluding to in the beginning of this section was that feeling of the hand clenching my heart about it might be my kid on the playground. And guess what? It's probably going to be at some point. (laughs) All these kids go through these phases. Sure do. Sometimes when they're 18 months old, sometimes when they're three and a half. Hi. I remember that. At my son's five-year-old birthday party, another kid came running over to me and said, he pushed so-and-so twice and like leaned in and said twice, like once Two times. And that's one time too many. (laughs) Like it was so steeped in just, I am horrified by your son. You know, that kind of thing. And I think I handled that okay. I went and found (laughs) him. After the break, we're going to talk about how to handle it in the moment when you are present. Because one thing we're also dealing with at this age is how they behave, say, on the playground or at a play date or, or, you know, in your home or whatever. But also we have that sort of obstacle of sometimes this isn't happening at home. It's only happening at school. Oh, yeah. And you're not there as much as we'd like to be. Just kidding. We're not there for it. So we're going to talk about, first of all, what to do when you're there. Because really, under age six, we are going to be there a lot of the time. Some kids are in preschool, pre-K, kindergarten. Sometimes that's part-time. You know, sometimes we're going to have the sort of benefit of being able to be there and deal with it in the moment. So we'll talk about those things And also we'll talk about how we handle our feelings. So much of parenting is how we are feeling in the moment. Mm -hmm. Because how much do our kids pick up on that? How much? You're a liar. (laughs) You're a damn liar. (laughs) Yes. So we're going to talk about that as well Uh, when we come back. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt 
free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are talking about toddler kid aggression. Just lashing out at that playground. Not at the playground. Ah, I'm going to kick that gun, you seesaws. I'm going to kick this swing. Although sometimes they do, and I feel like that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like when my son, like, really aggressively, like, spins an empty swing, that feels okay to me. Yeah. Like, that's giving them a tool that where they're getting their stuff out that isn't on another child, right? Like, dinosaur stomp. We teach our kid about dinosaur stomp. To stomp out those feelings rather than, you know... Pushing their friend down or whatever. Let me tell you something. <laughs> it's not a dinosaur stomping their friend. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah, so we talked about how this could come from anger or territorial issues. Like, you know, someone, another little kid getting into their space, taking their toy, that kind of thing. It could be experimental. Hmm, I wonder what will happen if I kick this kid in the shins. And then the other one is imitation. They saw some a television show. They saw, they saw Scrooge McDuck or their older sister <laughs> be aggressive, whatever. Mm-hmm. But also there is, particularly as they get older, it could come from a deeper place. Yeah. In psychology today, they say, see from your child's perspective, right? That makes sense. Your child is a little person who's easily overwhelmed in this big world. Hmm, I'm a big person in this big world and I'm very easily overwhelmed as well. Yes. He or she gets overstimulated and disconnected from you and feels all alone and terrified and they can't bear those feelings. So they lash out. If you can remember all this, you feel more sympathy for them. You need that sympathy because your child won't soften his heart unless you soften yours. Um, Mm. mm, I like that. Oh, yeah. It is hard to react sometimes with compassion and empathy when there are other parents who you think are looking at you. Mm -hmm. As we've discussed in past episodes, you know, they may or may not be judging you, but we can't think of them. We have to think of our kid first. Yeah. And also, it's hard to come at compassion and sympathy and empathy with your child, too, sometimes when they're being aggressive. Yeah. When the energy alone is just like... Not anything that you want to deal with. Oh, yeah. And you want to say, hey, knock it off. Yeah. Right? Stop it. Stop it. Yeah, exactly. Barely suppressed rage. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But Dr. Karen DeBoard is a child development specialist in Raleigh. And she says, when your toddler acts out, an even-tempered and consistent response from you will teach them to react calmly to life's frustrations. How often do we talk about that? That like we are laying the groundwork for this kid's life mm-hmm. by how we deal with their situations when they're this young. It's so true. You know, I just got a sidebar here for a second. Do it. I wonder if and how, not even if, how all of this is going to change. What all of these child psychologists are going to say after dealing with this pandemic. Because my rage machine. <laughs> yeah, like inside of you? Yeah, has increased so much. And my ability to deal with my own issues and my own stuff, just day to day, I'm not even talking about like the stuff that I talk to my therapist about. Right. I'm like, day to day is so tough to deal with that on top of it, having to deal with my kid being overwhelmed and stressed out. It's just like, it's so much right now. I just wonder how all of this is, you know, like there's going to be whole new books and articles and essays written on this. There have to be because it's just like, how are 
And I bet a lot of these kids are being aggressive because of the fact that they've been caged in and their parents are, you know what I mean? (gasps) Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother topic. That's a whole nother podcast. It is. Line it up in the episode list because we got stuff to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. You know, I overuse the phrase bandwidth. I don't have the bandwidth for that right now. And I lean pretty hard into what we've discussed. I think I saw it on Big Little Feelings, that Instagram account, Mm -hmm. the 80-20 rule. I lean into that really hard sometimes. Like you want to do all the best things that you can Mm -hmm. for your kid 80% of the time. And the other 20%, you have to do what gets you through the day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's cereal for dinner. Sometimes it's two movies in a row, Frozen 1 and Frozen 2. Boy, is Frozen 2 so much darker than Frozen 1. So much. That's another episode. But yes, so sometimes I lean into it and other days I don't need to even think about the 80-20 rule. Right. But yeah, there are the things that we do to get through. And one of them is managing our own behaviors. Yeah. And our own rage and our own emotions. For sure. And sometimes you can do like, I know sometimes I'm an immediate reactor. Mm -hmm. So if I see aggressive behavior, especially like when we're out and about. Yeah. I kind of nip it in the butt. Like, stop it. Don't come here. Knock it off. Right. That's me. But sometimes... I have to check myself before I really wreck myself. But it's usually after I'm wrecked. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, as soon as we get home or whatever, I'm just like, I go back to it. Like, what was going on in Trader Joe's? Why were you being so aggressive? You know what I mean? It's like, yes. Then we have a key key about what that behavior was about. Let me tell you, it doesn't always happen. But I know sometimes I try to go back to it. Well, you know, that's actually in this list. So I'm glad that you said that we'll get to that in a second, because that is a really good part of it is being able to talk to your kid about it. Mm. And sometimes you can't in the moment. So let's take it back a little bit to what we do first. Yeah. So we're at the playground. Your toddler is acting out. The first thing to remember is to breathe. (laughs) What does that mean? What is breathing? I need to react immediately. I don't have time to breathe. Hmm. Take a sec. Take that deep breath and breathe. You do want to respond immediately. Right. One good thing to do is to state the rule and the reason why the rule exists. One example from Parents Magazine was we don't hit people, hitting hurts. The Psychology Today example, which I love, is like almost exactly the same, but it's, ouch, Samantha is hurt, hitting hurts. Because, of course, psychologists say, don't place blame. (laughs) Avoid blame. And I'm like, oops. So that's one way to put it into perspective and build your kid's empathy. Because they ain't got no empathy that early. They don't care. They don't care about you and your feelings. (laughs) The other thing, of course, and I think you and I have talked about this, is don't let your child get his way most of the time. I mean, I think like 99% of the time. Every once in a while to save myself, yourself. Yeah, that's more like pitching a fit at home. I think when it involves hurting another child or hitting or aggression towards another human being, I think it might be a good practice to stick to the rule of don't let them get what they want because otherwise they will learn that hitting another human being gets you what you want. And that's a little different than pitching a fit at home by themselves when nobody else is in danger of being hurt. Yeah. When it comes to other people Mm -hmm. outside of this home and when we don't have like the time to really talk about it and I immediately cut it off. Yeah. Immediately. Mm -mm. We don't do that. And never let them get what they want when they've trying to get it by hurting or hitting somebody else. Absolutely not. One great thing, and I think my dad told me about this. I've said on the pod before, my dad was a school psychologist. And I feel like he and I talked about this too, which was you should always comfort the victim first. Hmm. Yeah, don't go to your kid first for the reprimanding. You can acknowledge the aggressor's feelings 
Parent Magazine says, do acknowledge your kid's feelings. I know not getting the toy you want hurts, that kind of thing. Right. But as far as what psychology today calls care and repair, make sure you go to that victim first. Hopefully they have a parent or a caregiver there who's providing them comfort. But you got to show your kid that acting badly isn't what gets you attention. So go help the little kid who was hit or a bit or kicked or whatever it was and comfort them first. Mm-hmm. Another thing Psychology Today says is after you have comforted that little kid, gotten them, you know, calm or shown them care, then go get your kid, get down on their level with them, face the two kids facing each other and say, we are so sorry, so-and-so, your whatever your kid's name is, hit you. Mm-hmm. They were upset and forgot to use their words. We hope you feel better now, right? Mm-hmm. Modeling how you deal with somebody and, and helping to build that empathy. Totally. Here's something. So my kid was in a scuffle with a kid at school, right? Mm-hmm. And when I picked him up, it was like, teacher pulled me aside, listen, this is what happened today at school, mm-hmm. not good behavior. So then I get him in the car, and let me tell you this, I felt like, whew, all that stuff, right? I was like, oh my God. And especially when like, his teacher was like, I need to speak with you, Miss Brooks. I was like, okay. Because we all know that tone, because teachers are so good at that tone. Oh, so good. So gentle, so caring but they're going to let you know something. They're going to let you know what's up. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God. And so I get my kid in the car and I'm like, I didn't wait to get home. I'm like, what happened? And it was a situation where he had been provoked Mm. and he had been pushed and pushed and pushed. And finally he was like, yo, and he like got this kid. Good. And I immediately was upset with him. But because of the fact that I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say it. I was embarrassed that this had happened. Of course, that's so human. I was like, what did you do? And he didn't have the words, right? And that's why he did it. And as he was explaining it to me, he was like, he just kept pushing me, mom. He just kept going. He kept going. And I just needed it to stop. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. And I think that that happens a lot. You know, where it's like they don't have the words in the moment to be like, could you please knock it off? Oh, my gosh. Who does? Much less little four year old. Exactly. Who does? Yeah. So it's like, how do you deal with that? Where like, especially in public, I do it all the time, too, where I'm just like, ah, right. But I don't necessarily see what's going on. I just see my kid. You would do good to breathe, as would I, as would a lot of parents. (laughs) Right. I'm not kidding. And the good news is right now, Blair, is that you are reflecting on it. So now you're getting your own lesson. Nobody even had to tell you that because you just said it, which is like, ah, in that moment, perhaps I came in a little hot, right? And I do the same thing. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. Is it a reflection on my parenting? I'm so worried someone's going to think I'm a bad mom. How can, you know, we put all this effort and all this time into being good parents to have it end like this? My kid Dextering out on the playground, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And ultimately, we have to like push all that out in the moment, which is hard because we are human beings with emotions and reactions and buttons that are pushed. Yeah. Boo, Boo, humans, boo. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we would all do well to breathe and to kind of go in a little less hot, right? Yeah. You acknowledge the aggressor, your kid's feelings. You definitely comfort the victim first. That also gives you 10 beats to breathe, doesn't it? Yeah. And maybe to figure out like what happened. To maybe figure out what happened. Yeah. And then the other thing is, which I read in a couple of these articles was, the next step is to remove your kid. Particularly if they're still running hot, which they probably are. 
Take them out. They're still emotional. They're still angry or crying. You have to gently remove them. Let them know why. We're going to take a few minutes to calm down, right? Mm -hmm. And now here's where this lays into Molly Lloyd. Because Molly Lloyd is a talker. And number one on after remove your kid is resist the urge to lecture. Mm. Oh, I just crossed that off. I'm not going to listen to that. (laughs) Because I love talking. I have said to Blair in the past, my husband and I both acknowledge that one of our downsides as parents is that we love to grasp every moment as a teachable moment and we need to chill out like we need to chill out and let our kid feel those feelings i don't know maybe let them come to their own conclusions i don't know build their own solutions yeah be the scaffolding molly so resist the urge to lecture right that's a great tip (laughs) because you remove your kid and you want you can even see in your head like the parent who gets down at their kid's level and is just talking into their kid's face while the kid has like the tear-stained face and the pouty lip. Yeah. Try not to be that parent, even though I am. That's a natural impulse I have to fight. Mm. And that's okay. Oh, and welcome. This is an interesting one. Welcome the meltdown. Now, this is a tough one. Hopefully, you've gotten your breaths in because this is a hard one to live through, right? Welcome the meltdown. I don't know. I welcome it. Good. Yeah. Because sometimes I'm like, okay, you need this. Obviously, you're being aggressive. Sometimes the aggressive is because they're tired, mm-hmm. hangry. You know, there's a lot of factors there. They're scared of something. There's something going on. And sometimes, because just like I do, I just need a moment to just like, yeah, to beat the air. Yes. Oh, gosh. To essentially scream into a pillow. That's it. Like, that's what we're giving our kids the space to do. Give them some space. Go ahead. Yeah. Psychology Today says the more tears, the more feelings he or she is unloading and the better they'll feel afterwards. Offer your warmth more than your words. For sure. I'm going to put that. I'm going to like learn how to do needlepoint. (laughs) Put it on a pillow. Put it under my head at night to remember. Offer your warmth more than your words, Molly. Oops, it didn't say Molly, but I put it in there. (laughs) Talk only enough to stay connected and help them feel safe. Don't start analyzing his or her feelings. Just stay compassionate so they can cry. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. I learned that lesson. I think I mentioned this before. I learned that lesson once when my son was just having a melt, extraordinary meltdown. And it was like at his sister. And it was just like, it was tops. Right. And I was just like, I don't know what to do with this. And he was in his room. And he was like throwing things. And it freaked me out because I was like, this is not you, dude. Like, this is not you. So I s- literally sat in, in their rocking chair and I just watched him and he kept going. And then I just got on my knees and I gave him the biggest hug. And I was just like, breathe, man, just breathe, just breathe. And we had like our, you know, goodwill hunting moment, you know, and he did and he came back. But it was just like, first of all, I didn't have the words because it was freaking me out. Oh, of course. But I also knew that if I would yell like, stop, knock it off. What are you doing? That it would like just heated it more. That's so funny. I have in the past, something has happened and I didn't know where it came from. And I have said that I've been like, what is happening right now? Do you know how much that helped? Zero. Zero. Not a skosh. Because they don't know where it's coming from. Nope. They for sure. So it's just like, that was the one moment where I was like, oh, okay, sometimes you just need to just like bear hug, like a bear hug or just watch them and be like, I see you. Do what you need to do, kid. Sit near them. Sit near them. Sit near them. And give yourself the space and the grace to be there for them, which is hard because sometimes you're like, if the sun is going down, I need to get this kid out of here. I haven't even started for sure. dinner. So that's actually putting this totally into action, which is to be there for them. Mm-hmm. The other thing they mentioned in this, something that's interesting that I have not come up against yet, but you may have or one of our listeners may have, which is when they don't cry. 
because they're holding it inside in a vault in their heart and their eyes are kind of empty or hard. And in that case, have you come up against it? Maybe with your youngest, maybe, because she's a tough cookie. No, my five-year-old. Yeah. No kidding. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? Just like that staring you dead in the eye. Yeah. Woo! I don't get that too, too much, but I can see it from here. (laughs) Yeah. I've definitely gotten it. I'm like, uh, excuse me. (laughs) So one tool you could use, and Blair, this is a very strong tool in your tool belt, which is a sense of humor. Make them laugh because it's an expression. Like it helps them express. It lessens the tension. Their spines relax. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it makes their stomach laugh, you know, and then they might be able to return to the playground without returning to hitting. Yeah. Either they've laughed or they've cried or they've just simply calmed in some way. You've had a different way in. You have to use. Yeah. Like you said, in that moment, use whatever tool in your tool belt works. And then once you and your child are calm, now you can... Before they go back to the playground or, you know, whenever is convenient, when everyone's calm, then you can do it with a, you can teach them. What do we learn from this? Do it with a light touch and a sense of humor. And then this even says in Parents Magazine, you might even need to wait a few hours to have this conversation until you can do it calmly. That's so good, Blair, like you. Yeah. Sometimes it'll work, sometimes it doesn't. Listen, this is like every once in a blue, blue moon that I'm able, that I find the time to come back to it, that I remember Yes. Do your best to do it in the moment if you get to that kid to a calm place. And if not, maybe you can do it a little later. And and if this one gets away from you, you'll have it next time. Yeah. The biggest thing is to work with them, ask them leading questions to brainstorm alternative solutions to how they reacted to something, right? Yeah. Because the kid is more likely to put those options into action later if they helped come up with them. This is from Psychology Today. Yeah. And Psychology Today also suggests role-playing. Hey, okay, now let's try. Now, I took your toy, and you want to hit me, but what do you do instead? Do you dinosaur stomp? Do you whatever? And have them play it out so on the playground they can actually do it. You know me. I love role-playing, Blair. I hear you laughing. Listen, but if your kid's got a nice right hook, I'd bring some pads or something. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're role-playing positive reactions, not role-playing what they did. I'm thinking like, now what did you do? Okay, all right, take that. What could you have done? And they've come up with alternate things. Oh, I could have walked away. I could have stomped the ground. I could have come and gotten you. I could have called for you. That's a great example. Mm -hmm. Was I within calling distance? Let's practice. How do you call for me? How do you say mom? Show me how you do it. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's actually what I did with my kid once I found out that he was being provoked by this other kid. Yeah. I was like, what do we, okay, cool, cool, cool. What do we do next time? Call for the teacher. Yeah, practice it. Or if you're like, if you get so like caught up in the moment, just say, yell it, stop, right? Because you may get in trouble for your voice being high, you know, being for yelling. Right. But at least there's no hands. Yeah, I love that. There's no aggression. Just say it really loud so you get it out and you can be understood in the moment. Yes. Oh, man. It's a lot, right? It's a lot. It's a lot. We'll be right back. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking about toddler aggression. Don't do it, toddlers. So we're talking about some tools on our tool belt, how we react to it in the moment. But hey, sometimes, as Blair talked about in the previous segment... We're not there because this just in, we're not allowed to go to school with them. Did I tell you about how my husband swears that he's going to be college roommates with my son? <laughs> and he, he talks about it like more seriously than it is necessary. Like, I think he's trying to be funny, but I think also he's trying to think that it's maybe a good idea. And I'm, I feel like nipping it in the bud. Maybe that time has passed, even though we don't have, we have 12 years to figure it out. <laughs> but he talks about it so seriously. He's like, well, you know, it's funny. I'm not really a top bunk guy, but I guess we'll figure that out freshman year. Let's, we'll see about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, David. I'm like, you will be <laughs> 60 years old. <laughs> don't even joke about this. Listen, nip it in the bud now because my mother <laughs> came to my school so many times that people thought she was my roommate. That is so cute, though. Like, in retrospect, how sweet is that? Shout out, Peggy Brown. Uh, yeah, it was sweet, like, when I was pounding butt heavies pre-gaming to go out, and, and the RA would call and be like, uh, Blair, your mom's here again. I'd be like, what? Hold up. She'd come unannounced just to, like, say hello? Oh, she would be like, hey. Oh, yeah. No, I'm here. Your brother got me a hotel room. My brother worked for Marriott at the time, so he would get, like, hotel rooms for, like, a dollar. So she'd be like... I'm just here Saturday and Sunday, the entire weekend. And if you want to come to brunch with me tomorrow, that's fine. If not, don't worry about it. I'm here. That is so sweet. She missed you. She missed me a lot. She did. Bless her. It makes me my heart sing as a mother. Yes. But as a daughter, I'd be like, oh, my God, mom. Now I'm essentially beholden to go have brunch with you. Oh, and I was. And it was very hard because I didn't want her to know that I was drinking. Oh, yeah. So you're probably hung over the next day. Yeah. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just have a headache. She's like, are you eating? I'm like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we're not allowed to go to school with her. <laughs> Unless you're okay. Peggy Brooks showing up, hanging out. Just She'll just be there for a weekend. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. We're not allowed to. So we have these wonderful, <laughs> essential people who 
I get on my knees, bow down, genuflect to daily, which is our kids' teachers. Dr. Emily Edlin in Parents Magazine, a different article, says, Although physical aggression in young children is completely normal, it does not mean it's acceptable. They need to learn positive behaviors to override these negative impulses. And in young children, that can take time, a lot of repetition, and a team of adults on the same page. Mm. Yes, Dr. Emily. Yes. And what that comes down to, and you're experiencing this, my kid's in pre-K and Blair's is in kindergarten. So he, your kid, is doing much more of a sort of regimented, he's in school. He's in like legit school now. legit. Whereas if I take my kid out for a month, he's not a truant. But yours would be. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And it's all about clear, consistent, and simple messaging across the board. Yeah. So communicate early and often with their teachers and then use the same. This is great. And I haven't done this yet, but I think I'm going to with his pre-K teachers. And then certainly once he moves into kindergarten, use the same phrases they use. Mm. So they hear the same messaging at home and at school. I love that. Mm, 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 So the example in parents was the writer's teachers said at school, Let's work on first time listening, right? Like actually listening and reacting the first time they say something. Yeah. So this author used that at home to make her messaging clear, consistent, and simple. That is brilliant. And sometimes my son will go home and he'll say certain things and I'll be like, what? But it's working? I'm like, what is that? And then he explains it to me like, oh, great. All right. We'll throw that into the mix, how we talk at home. And it works for Sure. I love it. I'm definitely going to start doing that. Anything that I don't have to like think of myself, (laughs) someone bringing the parenting into my home that I didn't have to think of. Thank you. Thank you. Hard thank you for that. Thank you so much. Yeah. And it's just consistent. And the other thing is for behavior. Like what is the positive reinforcement that they're doing when your kid exhibits good behaviors in their classroom? Mm -hmm. How can you make that consistent? So this author, Dr. Emily says, have it be a similar reward system. If they stay in their cot for nap, they get to set up for snack. So maybe it's an experience-based reward as opposed to you get a Snickers every time you (laughs) tie your shoes. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, that's what I want. I want a Snickers every time I do something good. I'm like, forget those Birkenstocks. I'll put my my Snickers for Snickers. (laughs) And then, of course, the biggest thing we can do is to model... Good re, like good behavior, good conflict resolution at home that they can bring on their own tool belt into school. Yeah, for sure. And make sure that you are, you know, reinforcing that you hear about what they're doing at school. You talk to their teachers about it. You talk to them about it. You give them the tools for success as much as you can. And of course, with so many things with kids and childhood, if it feels over the top, if this doesn't feel like a phase, if you're seeing other things in your kid's behavior that makes you say, ah, 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 I'm looking at the whole child and something feels off. This phase is lasting too long. Their aggression is too consistent. What else might it be? Talk to your pediatrician. For sure. The example they gave is like, for instance, if your child has lagging speech development and the frustration and fear that comes with that without being able to communicate and that frustration and anxiety and anger from that means they're lashing out a lot. Take a step back. Look at the big picture. Do you see other clues in that child's life that are telling you, ooh, that might be part of it? Just talk to your pediatrician. It never hurts to talk to your pediatrician. Yeah, for sure. You know, just like going back for 2.5 seconds is... Do it. The whole like modeling your behavior. You know what I have to do too is that sometimes I think like, oh, this kid's aggressive probably because they see their mom and dad arguing, right? But then I think to myself, sometimes when I'm mad... I shut off. 
and I don't speak to nobody. You know what I mean? If I'm like mad at my husband or something or feeling some kind of way, I'll just like go into like my own bill. It's self-protection. But that's part of it too. And that's something that I see both my kids do at times is like go into like shut off mode. And I'm like, oh, wait, it's not always going to be like that thing that I do is like, it's not always going to be that. That's not what they're also modeling. They're also modeling like when you completely shut off. Yeah, when you don't communicate. When you don't communicate. Exactly. That was like a bing for me, like an aha Mm -hmm. light bulb moment. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe you should uh, learn to use your words. Talk about them feelings. I shut off when I'm angry until one person says anything to me (laughs) about wanting to know why I shut off. And then those floodgates are open so much. (laughs) So I'll walk around. It's more like pouting. Mm -hmm. So it's more like I go around. Oh, boy. I definitely shut off and I don't make eye contact and I'm really angry. Yeah. And then my husband will say something like, hey, so do you want to talk about it? Yes, I do. I do want to talk about it. Actually, yeah. I do. Thank you for bringing it up. And then I just expose my heart because <laughs> I just want someone to ask me. But for some reason, it's so self-indulgent. But for some reason, when I'm angry, I need someone to ask me because I need to like live inside my anger for a few minutes and carry that around. But then ultimately, I want to let go of it. And that's the same thing as when if we're at the playground with our kid And we bring them aside, we've removed them from the situation, we have a little bit of a moment to be on the same level as them and really hear what's going on and how they're feeling. They might need to open up through a meltdown. They might need to open up through laughing, you know, something like that. Go for a jog. One time I remember I like grabbed my son's hand and we just started running. Yeah. You know, because obviously running, you know, releases endorphins and it's good for you and you get out of breath and it it forces you like if you're holding all your rage and sadness in your stomach, yes. it forces you to breathe. And afterwards, we just like fell on the ground laughing and do what you have to do to release that, you know? Yeah. Oh, we hope that we have given you all some tools today to put on your tool belt next time you're at the playground or if your kid is in school or starting school mm-hmm. soon. Just open up those lines of communication with their teachers. Those teachers are your allies. For sure. They're part of your team. Yeah. Like, aren't we so lucky to have them? Yeah. And they can let you know what's going on. But like Blair said, also open your ears to what's going on with your kid too. Mm -hmm. Because they can tell you stuff too. And for the little, little ones, be there for them. Oh, one thing I forgot to say, which I really love was once you know that your kid might be in one of these phases that happens. So now you know. So stay close at the playground. Parents Magazine says, keep an eye on interactions now that you're aware that it's happening. If you see it coming, get in there. Say no. Say, ah, no, sternly. One tool might be a two-minute timeout if you're at home or if you're at the park. Improvise, find a place behind a tree or something. If timeouts work for you and your kid. If they don't, Psychology Today suggests staying very close so your child feels more connected to you. That way, whatever happens, he feels like he can handle it because he has backup. So maybe they're less likely to lash out. And you can monitor his mood. If you notice him getting tense, move in close physically, right? And your presence may actually calm him. If it escalates his being upset, in which case you can breathe deeply, move him away, and then skip to the stuff of what you do when you remove them, right? Letting them express themselves through a meltdown, through laughing, through whatever, and then skip to the teaching part, right? But the good news is, you know, timeouts don't work for everyone, but you have plenty of other options. You can just stay with them. You can be a listening ear, less talky, more listeny, Molly Lloyd. (laughs) And don't let your kid think that you're there for backup to like gang up on this kid either. No, (laughs) emotional backup. Yeah, not backup like, oh, let me call him my boys. Oh, you're good. You're here, mom. Let's do this. Let's wreck this (laughs) kid. Kick some tiny, tiny butt. No. (laughs) 
And of course, the biggest thing we can do all the time is to acknowledge when they do good behavior. Yeah. Like when they do share, really like we, our sensors are not only on for bad behavior, they have to be on for good behavior. You played so nicely with so-and-so today. I really noticed how much you shared your toys. Even that means like mom or dad or caretaker is on my side. They notice when I do good things and I like that attention. I want that kind of attention again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Molly, stop talking. This is, you know, it's a podcast. (laughs) If I didn't talk and you didn't talk, it'd be so quiet. You got a lot to say. You got lots of feelings. You got lots of things that we need to say to these people to make sure that we let them know that we're all in the same boat. (laughs) We feel them. We get it. I also feel like a lot of times, though, too, I feel like I am a conduit for expert stuff. Like, I love reading these articles because I learned so much and I'm so grateful to these people for writing them. Yeah. I'm grateful for the reminders. Like, we all know we should keep up open lines of communication with our teachers and check in and get on the same page and use the same phrases. We might know that intellectually, but y'all, life is busy and we forget. So if these reminders or if this is new information to you, I hope it helped you. We love our listeners. We love hearing from you. Go to our Facebook page. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. We're part of the What Fresh Hell Network. Also, toddlerpurgatory.com. Yes. All the episodes are there. You can send us comments. You can rate and review us. Oh, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Yeah, yeah. Get some merch. Get some merch while you're there. Get that merch. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Take it easy. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. 
Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 